Hello! Hey guys, it's Arden Cho. Hey, I'm Holland Roden. Hello, this is Ian Bowen. Hey you guys, this is Melissa Poncio. Hi, I'm Lyndon Ashby. Hi, I'm Dylan Sprayberry. This is Megan Tandy. This is Tyler Posey, and you are listening to Not Another. Not Another. Not Another. This is Not Another Team Wolf Podcast. Yes, it is! Oh! Woo! Hey, this is Jeff Davis. You're listening to Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast, my favorite podcast in the world. Until we go down. Until we go down. Until we go down. everyone welcome to not another teen wolf podcast episode 102 we're rolling along with our recaps for season five uh we're up to episode five of season five a novel approach uh i am one of your hosts natalie i am back in case anyone missed me last week i don't know if they did but i am here. i missed you missed me oh donya wasn't good enough <laughs> I'm not answering that. <laughs> You're like, pause. Um, uh, no, Karen and Donya did the podcast last week because I was having an emergency. Basically, I was very stranded in my travel process, getting back to Australia, and uh, they did the episode, which is all good. But I'm here this week, so hopefully that's fine with everyone. Obviously, Karen is here as always because she's always here. Hi, Karen. I don't Hi. think Karen's ever not done an episode of Not Another Teen Wolf podcast. I'm not sure. I'm sure some nerd could tell me uh, if if she's missed I think any. I missed, like, one. Karen is really the lead host. I'm just better at doing the introduction or something, so I'm told. <laughs> she's really the lead host. I just talk first, usually. So Karen's been on every yeah. episode. We're co-alphas. Okay, we're co-alphas. Uh, I suppose that's fine. I'd like to see a pack with co-alphas that was a little less dysfunctional than the, the alpha pack uh, itself, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on from that nonsense. If you want to reach us, uh, you can always find us on Twitter, which is N-A-T-W podcast. You can email us, natwpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can join us on Tumblr, which is notanotherteenwolfpodcast.tumblr.com, or you can follow us on Instagram, which is natwpodcast on Instagram. I'm not sure what kind of photos we'll have at the moment. We had quite a lot over the weekend of Comic-Con and stuff. I've still got some backlog, honestly. I don't I don't think I posted everything good, and we've still got quite a few that we need to get our hands on from visiting the, uh, the Teen Wolf set as well. So <laughs> we'll... I'll, I'll get. I'll work on getting my hands on those. They're on someone else's phone, uh, and we'll post those. It's mainly Karen being dead, as as mentioned before. You can join us there for your thoughts on this episode, or any past episodes, or anything for the future. Feedback, etc. Um, do we have feedback this week? Yes, we do. Good. All right. Just checking. We'll read your feedback if you'd like to give us any. So, going straight into this episode, a novel approach, which was like a lot. I've rearranged it so, so Karen, much. You, you're doing your quote first because mine actually follows on directly from yours, and then there's just another one I want to give a little shout-out given that Karen's and I are like a continuation of the same dialogue. So, Karen, why don't you take it away with the quotes? 
All right. Mine is from Styles, and it's when he's talking to Lydia about going to Eichenhaus and the fact that Malia's not going. And he just says, Malia's not going because she knows it's a nightmare asylum of insanity and death. And, like, there's no better description yeah. for Eichenhaus than exactly that. I mean, it's true. At least they know that. At least they, they aren't, like, trying to pretend that it's, like, some great healthy hospital anymore or anything. <laughs> yeah. Um... And basically that entire conversation between Styles and Lydia was, like, it was very charged. It was very, like, I, I kind of want to talk about that when we go through the episode uh, because there was there was not a, a vibe, and uh, not like a necessarily a shipping vibe, but uh, there was quite a bit in this episode about the dynamic between those two characters. And, and that whole scene definitely had Styles being as protective, like, like, he thinks that no one else can take care of Lydia except for him, basically. Like, he doesn't trust Scott and, and um, Yira to do it. Like, like he's still her person, if you know what I mean, despite, like, who they're dating and stuff. And he says to her, my quote that I pulled out was that he says to her, I'm not letting you go to a place where one of the orderlies almost killed you. Because remember that fun time with Brunsky? That was great for everyone. And Lydia says, he almost killed you too. <laughs> And Style says, and we're both still alive. See? Teamwork, which I just enjoyed and... I just enjoyed their whole vibe there, but the I thought that was funny. And given that Karen and I were talking about a quote from the same conversation, I also needed to give a shout-out to my bae, Dr. Valak, who is my <laughs> new bae, by the way, which, we're, again, we'll have to discuss at length because I'm in love with him. And he quoted my ultimate bae, Nikola Tesla, in saying, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And I have... Like, so much to say about this that I don't know if it's, like, if I should say it now or, like, in the context of the, the episode, but this is it. This is this is what I've been saying about Teen Wolf from day one, that it, it is not a magic exists supernatural world. It is that the capacities of the human body and the capacities of what's possible in the world are all, like, biologically and scientifically kind of quote-unquote sound. Like, you know, they, they might not be in reality, but... But that exactly what Tesla said and what Valak said, basically, that it's all just basically the more you mess with science, like, the more that you will, like, be able to, like, tap into stuff. Like, there's a scientific, te technically a scientific explanation for everything, like, biological or, or whatever, that is able to be harnessed in this way that we're calling supernatural but we don't have it because we don't have a better word for it basically and i just have so many thoughts about this and and the way that the supernatural element exists in this universe and i, I love that they quoted tesla to explain it a bit um and because i love nikola tesla and if anyone doesn't know who nikola tesla is i'm sad for you but you can come and ask me and i'll i'll give you some good stuff he was an inventor <laughs> um he was a really solid bro, and he was nice, and uh, he kind of invented electricity, and Edison stole all his stuff. And, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll talk about that with people who care about that later. But I was very excited by this, especially because Dr. I'm like, if Dr. Valak quoted Tesla, he can't be evil. Like, like that's it. Like, he's not evil. He quoted Nikola Tesla. Like, uh, yeah, he's not evil. So that's that's where I'm at right now. Mm. <laughs> You're like, no, Natalie. <laughs> uh, Let's discuss that later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to go on with the actual episode now? 
Yeah. Um, man, this first point, don't be surprised if we talk about this for a long time like because a of the this episode. was if, one of if the episode is forty minute forty one or forty two minutes, this was thirteen minutes or so of the of the episode or ten uh ten ten yeah. straight minutes and then a few more minutes afterwards. So it's it's a quarter to a third of the episode was this scene, basically. Yeah. And it's I mean, one of the best openers that Teen Wolf has ever done. It was so amazing. Um, and basically, for anybody who doesn't remember, um, <laughs> Donovan attacks Styles and... <laughs> what was that? Oh, just anyone who doesn't... No, no, I missed that. I missed that whole thing, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 cut, it cut... Well, right you know... the end of four, right? Like, it, it literally... He bites him with yeah. his gross hand, and then it's literally the fight carries on from the end of, of last episode. Right. So Donovan chases Styles into the library, and Styles is hiding, and Donovan kind of explains why he's so angry at Stalinsky and, I guess, you know, Styles, um, why he sort of has a vendetta for both of them, and it's because he blames Sheriff Stalinsky, who was a deputy at the time, for his father's paralysis. Uh, deputy Stalinsky was in the car calling for backup, and his partner, who was Donovan's father, was in the middle of a shootout, basically, and he got hit in the spine, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. Now, this seems very twisted to me because it should have been both of them together. You know, it sounded to me like Donovan was very expressly ignoring the fact that if Stilinski was calling for backup, then they probably should have waited before they went in. And it kind of sounded like Donovan's father was a hothead. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but... You know, I, I do sort of vaguely understand the blame, but it also makes me wonder, like, you know, how Stalinsky feels about that situation and, and all of that, because, like, you know, has he been, like, around, like, taking care of his old partner every week, or is it just like, oh, they don't see each other anymore? Like, it, it really felt like he knew... Because, like I've been saying the whole time, like, Donovan and his problems, it's always vibed like he knew Stalinsky well. Like, Stalinsky was someone who had been there for him in some way, that Stalinsky had been there for him in some way and that, you know, Stalinsky was now disappointed that he was screwing up. And if it was his partner's kid, I guess he's known him since he was young. Like, I wonder if him and Styles, like Donovan and Styles, knew each other when they were young. But I don't know. Like, it's, you know, if he does blame Stalinsky, like, why was he trying to be a cop as well? Like, I don't get Donovan's whole, like, history, basically. Like, you know? Yeah, I mean, I... I could understand why he wanted to be a cop to maybe like fill his father's shoes and do what he couldn't do and maybe be, you know, a better officer than Stalinsky or something like that. I mean, either way, he has a lot of anger about it and it seems misguided, but at the same time, I can kind of understand why he feels that way. I mean, the situation is obviously pretty extreme if his father is, is paralyzed, but, um, I just, you know, 
the kid is not level-headed, and they said that in the last episode. Theo told him, like, told us via talking to Donovan that he's he's a little nuts. Uh, they found that out on his, uh, like, test to become an officer. So not surprised he's lashing out like this. Yeah. But Styles' anger bubbles up again, and this is something that we've seen in past seasons, but we've especially been seeing in the last few episodes, really right from the pilot or the premiere. And I think, first of all, Dylan acting that way, being so angry and holding it in and looking like he's about to go attack Donovan, regardless of the fact that Donovan... Yeah, yeah, it was it was very violent. And, you know, we've always said that Styles, he's got a lot more of that that cold heartlessness in him, I yeah. guess. And it really came out in this opening. Yeah, it did to the point where I am legitimately disappointed that he only accidentally killed Donovan. I've been waiting to start for Styles to kill a dude since, like, season two. Can I just say? Like, I'm I'm for real, like, bummed that it was an accident. Which is, sounds sound really harsh, and maybe Styles isn't as harsh as I make him out to be in my head, if you know what I mean. But I, like, kind of, when I was, like, seeing on Twitter, oh, did Styles kill someone kind of thing, like, I vaguely got a vibe that maybe a death caused by Styles was going to happen, like, before I watched the episode. And I was like, it was brilliant, but I was like slightly let down that it wasn't like he has actively killed a guy by r- wrenching him in the face as opposed to like um, accidentally causing his death in sort of his own self-defense slash scrambling to get away. Uh, which might sound horrible, but I guess I'm just horrible. No, I don't think that's horrible. I think that, okay, this is how I feel about that, because I completely understand where you're coming from, and I think that Styles is the kind of person that would do something like that. But in order for us to still love the character in the same way that we love him now, I feel like he would have to do that to somebody who is truly evil, like Gerard or something like that. Yeah. Donovan can't control what he's doing. He's been taken over by whatever the Dread Doctors have done to him. It's not really his fault. He might not even be entirely aware of what he's doing. I think he is to an extent, probably more so than Tracy was. But the fact is that what's happening to him right now is not something that he did to himself or that he's chosen to do. So I think him purposely killing Donovan would have been a little too far over the line for me. Mm. But I do understand that sort of wanting to see him actually kill somebody who is evil because that's something that Scott wouldn't do. He would never yeah. do that, no matter how evil somebody was. And obviously, and oh, that kind of draws the line between them. And obviously Styles' body as the Nagitsune has killed people, but not him, you know. So it's different. Yeah. Do we know how much memory he has of being inside the Nagitsune or the Nagitsune being with him? Like, Do you think he remembers, like, killing people and whether that sort of made it easier or harder for him to potentially kill people in future? I think he remembers. There's also a moment where he looks at himself in the mirror and in his Jeep. And I just got this vibe that he was remembering 
what he's done in the past. And he couldn't quite look himself in the eyes. And that was really telling for a lot of different reasons. But I definitely got this vibe of like, you know, here we go again type of thing. Although obviously this is a much different situation. Yeah. Like I remember us talking a long time ago, maybe even before we started three, like before we started the recaps for three, when we were still doing like old episodes about someone sending us like meta about whether styles is a poison friend, like about, and it had the comparison in it of like yes. Giles killing Ben uh, in Buffy when, you know, it's not Ben is completely innocent except that he was being possessed by glory, but to get rid of glory, they killed Ben. Spoiler alert. Buffy's been over for 10 years, but anyway, season five, Buffy spoiler. Um, and how, whether that's something that Styles could or would do. And I've been like holding out for Styles to kill a dude for like a really long time. Um, and so I'm perfectly okay with it. Like, I don't think either of us are, are like, oh my God, no, this is ruined Styles or poor Styles. Like, we've been, you know, it feels relatively inevitable, but I'm sort of surprised, I guess. At, I, th- I feel like maybe he doesn't, like, he knows it's bad, but he doesn't. I think he f- maybe feels bad that he doesn't feel worse, if that makes sense. Did that make sense? Like, he feels... Yes. Like, and that bit where he's looking in the mirror, that's what that felt like to me. Like, okay, objectively, I know this is really bad, and what's Scott going to do, and what are we going to do, and oh my god, I've done this thing, and this is going to ruin my life. But maybe that he doesn't feel as bad as he thinks he should feel just for having done it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, because even later when he's talking to Scott, he sort of justifies that it was in oh, self-defense. Yeah. It was an accident. So I I think he's just like, you know, I'm not going to feel guilty about this in terms of like, I didn't do it on purpose. But at the same time, I think maybe not even objectively, I think just being a human being, he's like, I just killed somebody like this is a big deal. But a lot of that debating with himself, you can see it so clearly when he calls 911 and he doesn't say anything. So he's actively, you know, needing somebody to get to the scene, but he's not necessarily like copping up to it. And then he ignores Malia's calls and then he debates whether or not to actually leave in the Jeep. And those moments and And, like Brooke said this on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Brooke said on Twitter, they've let the scene breathe because there was no music, there was no dialogue, and I was, like, basically having anxiety watching this scene for the first time because (laughs) it's so long, and you're like, is he going to leave? Is he not going to leave? You have no idea because he kind of puts his hand on the shifter and then takes it away and goes back, and, and it was just like okay, can we just do something? Like, even if he leaves, I just need something to happen yeah. because it was it was such a strong moment. It's about ten straight minutes of um, just him with obviously no dialogue on his part, like there's Donovan's bullshit at the start, but just no, no words from, mm-hmm. from Styles at all. And then there's like the little intercepting scene with uh, Scott and Kira and then another three or so minutes of... Styles in his room, like, freaking out as well. Again, no dialogue. 
So it's a, it's a lot. Like it is a lot, and it, it's very artistic and very sort of cinematic and mature. And it is like not something I'd necessarily expect to see on uh, normal television. Like uh, that's kind of like really high caliber of of filmmaking. That that having that kind of thing and and having the trust in the actor to allow that and and trust in the 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 character moments really and the and the gravity of the situation. So yeah, it is a lot. Like it's it's a lot. <laughs> Especially because Team Wolf has, from the very beginning, been so action-packed. It's always full of action and, um, you know, the witty dialogue and all these one-liners that we really like. And the fact that they chose to put in no dialogue and no music during those really high-intense scenes, and they were slow. It wasn't action. He was literally just sitting in his car, shaking drumming his fingers, looking in the mirror, looking at the school, like nothing actually happened, and yet you couldn't tear your eyes away from the screen. And they felt the need to give us all of that rather than like a second or two of it and moving on to his next move or whatever. Right, yeah. So kudos to Teen Wolf. Definitely one of the best things I think that has ever happened on the show, even though it nearly gave me a heart attack. So before we move on from that, I have a couple of questions about it as well because, I mean, I, I don't even know. You could go blow by blow by, like, you know, his face and how he acts. But um, a few things, because it doesn't get brought up again. He's not like, Scott, I just killed a dude. This is something that no one knows about yet. You know, yeah. people don't even know Donovan's dead, even though he's part of the bigger picture with the whole, you know, failed experiments thing or whatever they're, they're calling them. Um. First of all, do you think this, you know, like you said about, like, you know, I, I do get what you mean about him, um, you know, killing someone in cold blood or, like, you know, face-to-face actual intent, um, whether it's defensive or, or non-defensive, um, being someone super evil, which, yeah, I agree with. Like, he's he's on the side of good, uh, so it's not like he's just going to go killing randoms. But do you think that him killing this guy and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the consequences end up being, do you think this is, like, going to be, like, a gateway drug to, like, opening him up to, like, Styles is dirty now, if you know what I mean? Styles can be the one to dispose of people because he's already sort of tarnished with it. Like, is do you know what I mean? I That is a really good question. I don't know. I think it's definitely going to open up the conversation between Scott and Styles where Styles is going to be like, yes, but, you know, this person is killing all these people. If the only way to stop him is to kill him, that's what we have to do. And Scott being like, no, there's always going to be another way. So I definitely think that the conversation is going to happen eventually. But will Styles become the person to go and do that? I don't think so, just because I don't think Scott would let it go that far. And, and I, I mean, Styles is still a kid. I don't really know if if he could actually handle doing that. I mean, he was freaking out after having accidentally killed this person. And yes, this is, you know, the first time that that's really ever happened to him. But I don't know. And then the other question is, you know, we saw you know, nothing come up for this. Obviously it was taken as a prank call by the police because the body was gone. We don't know. This might be like a spoiler for the rest of the season. We, we have no idea, you know, what's happening to those bodies, especially given that they're going on a nice little trip to the Nematon. But do you think that he's going to have any culpability for this? Like, will he ever be held culpable for actually killing this guy? Like either by Scott or by the police, if you know what I mean? Like, or by like, 
like, is he sort of going to, quote-unquote, get away with it? I have a feeling, well, I think he would get away with it in terms of, like, where the law is concerned, just because there was no body, they didn't find anything, and I think what we've seen so far of Parrish and what's going on with him, that perhaps, like, maybe these people will come back, or maybe they'll just disappear, who knows, I think that Scott's going to hold him accountable and maybe he'll forgive him eventually. But like I said, I definitely think there's going to be a conversation about what happened. And Scott's definitely going to let Styles know that he doesn't agree with his views. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't see Scott necessarily criticize, not, not criticizing, but it's like, oh, this guy died. But like, it, it literally was an accident. Like, I don't know how they're going, you know. If yeah, like, I, you know, he's like he was like I was trying to get away and I was climbing up the thing and the, and I I pulled the thing out to to knock the stuff down onto him but one speared him through the chest like I feel like that Scott's gonna not be like super mad at him or anything like but you you know not for that in particular because yes that definitely was an accident Styles did not do anything wrong he was just trying to get away and he was fearful for his life but. What was brought up later in the episode is Styles justifying, like, Kira's actions in terms of, well, maybe it would have been a good idea for Kira to kill Lucas because he was trying to kill you, talking to Styles. And Styles, or Scott, and Scott definitely disagreed with him there. So while I think that Scott's not going to blame him for what happened with Donovan, I still think that there's going to be some tension there in terms of like how they attack situations. If Styles starts believing that they need to go a little bit further. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to just say as well was that, that Tumblr ask, should we, should we talk about that for a moment? Cause I actually have an opinion on that. I'm not sure if you, yeah. you do, but let me just pull it up. So we got an ask on the Tumblr. Let me see if it was a non or if it was a person. No, it was a person. So it was, you can call me Captain Galley, saying, So in the fandom now, right now, we have one giant question. As Styles has killed Donovan, would he have blue or golden eyes as a werewolf? He caused Donovan's death, but he didn't mean to kill him. He didn't make physical contact with Donovan to cause his death. But he did remove the pull ring to make the scaffolding come down on him. He is taking full responsibility for it and feeling guilty. But Donovan wasn't exactly innocent either. What do you think, blue or gold? Now... I have a response to this about the eye situation, basically, which is that I think that the eye situation is not, like, that good an indicator of, like, I don't think that the eyes can psychically deem if a person is innocent or not. And I think that the fact that they put it in the show as taking an innocent life is a fault on the part of the show. I think it's not the correct phrasing, unless I'm interpreting it wrong, which, of course, I might be. I think it's not the best phrasing they could have used. My assumption is that basically it is going to be three things. It's going to be that you've killed anyone, like your eyes or your brain. I mean, your brain kind of knows if you're, you're guilty. But that, that would mean that anyone like who just thought they were in the right, if you know what I mean, if it's your own subjective feelings, anyone who thought they were in the right, you know, in killing someone would, oh, my eyes are still gold. I think it's that you've killed anyone regardless because like Jackson has blue eyes and he killed Isaac's dad and Isaac's dad's a dick so you know I think that it is that you've killed anyone at all 
basically, and that's what they consider an quote-unquote innocent life. Either anyone at all or anyone not supernatural, which apparently also might count as innocent because they can't defend themselves or something. I don't think that there is like an, oh, you've killed a good person or a bad person divide. I think it's just that you've killed someone, and I think that the the only deciding factors might have been, A, if it's like hand-to-hand, you've physically done it with your body, or B, human versus supernatural. They're my two opinions, that it might be hand-to-hand, you'd go blue, regardless of whether that person was innocent or guilty, unless it's an alpha, in which case they'd go red, or B, you've killed a human versus you've killed like a supernatural who's on an even playing field to you. So that's my take on it, and I think that the innocent life is a bad, bad phrasing to use because I don't understand how that could be interpreted in any way, like, by your eye colour. Like, how, who gets to make that judgement, if you know what I mean? There might, or maybe, like, they know about it, whether it's self-defence, I don't know, like, but you could, I don't know how you would define that either. I, I think that it is that you have physically killed someone with your body or possibly you've killed a human versus a supernatural. But what about you? Yeah, this is a really difficult question. And going back to like what happened with Paige, Derek obviously took her life, but there was no ill intention there. I mean, he did it in order to sort of save her from the pain. So while he killed her, he's not a bad person. So like you said, the eye color doesn't necessarily deem you like good or bad. And then there's Jackson, who clearly killed people, but did not do it of his own free will. Yeah. Right. So in both of those cases, they physically killed those people, whereas Styles has not. Yeah, whereas Styles did not do that. So perhaps that's kind of where it's coming from, and maybe that means he would still have golden eyes. But even if he had blue eyes, it doesn't mean evil, and I think that's sort of like the important note to make here. Yeah, I think that that's true, um, and I think, yeah, I, I think that that's true. I think that he would probably, as far as Teen Wolf's rules so far, would probably still have golden eyes because he didn't hand-to-hand kill the person, but the whole innocent life thing is something I've questioned for quite a long time about what they mean by that and whether it's, like, human or, or whether it's just that you've killed anyone with your hands, basically, regardless of whether it was you know, fight or defense or, you know, in cold blood. So, I don't know. It's confusing (laughs) to me. All right. Are we done talking about Styles killing someone now? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess the the big point here at the end is that he gets to the library. He goes back into the library and it's cleaned up. The Mm. cops notice that nobody has been there and they call it in as a prank. Yeah. That's true. And then he's just like, what the hell is going on with this, basically? Um, Goes home and sort of starts freaking out on his magic board, which is my favourite part of the whole scene, basically, when he's, like, losing it and making those noises. That was delightful. Yeah, so that was... (laughs) I just kept looking at how terrible his handwriting was, and it it just, yeah, it really bothered me. Well, yeah. Um, So, basically, he's trying to be, like, quite cold about it and, like, you know theorizing so he's either dead uh, he's not dead and he walked out or he's dead and someone's taking the bodies and right in that moment he gets the call from scott who's woken up and found out about the animal clinic you know that someone took what's her face's body tracy's body and of course he absolutely styles his face when he he gets that call from scott being like what i have no idea what you're talking about he's just 
amazing, basically, when he, you know, thinks that Scott is on to him or just, you know, it's like psychically coming out of nowhere, if you know what I mean. It's It must have been a really crazy yeah. moment for him. But, yeah, I, I really liked that. So, basically, we, you know, right when Scott says that, you know, someone's taking the bodies of, of the failed experiments and whatever it is that they're trying to work out, we don't have to wait long to find out what that is. Uh, we see immediately uh, that it's Parrish delivering the bodies to the Nematon, uh, like he described to Lydia in his dream. Like, so we, we don't think he's doing it consciously. He's not like a crazy double agent. Like, he seems to be totally unaware of it in his real life. Uh, but that he is physically taking the bodies and ferrying them to the Nematon, which I don't know if it brings them back to life or if it gets rid of them or, like, you know, have they looked for, at the Nematon for any bodies, given that he, he's told Lydia about the dreams? Like, have they gone and checked it out? Because I don't know. But any theories about what the hell that is? Like, why, what he's doing, who he's quote-unquote working for what he's achieving like what the power is why he's called to do this etc i don't think he's working for anybody i think it's just part of his supernatural power like this is his job whatever he is uh (coughs) and i still don't know what he is um i mean my one theory, which has been everybody's theory for a while, is that he's some sort of phoenix. And I think that what we've been seeing has been tying into that really well, especially once we find out what happens to those bodies if they do come back to life afterwards. But um, without knowing more, I don't really have a whole lot of guesses. But I, I think that he's definitely working on his own. Just because he seems to be in a trance, I feel like this is just like what he's been called to do as a supernatural creature by, I don't know, instinct, I guess. Yeah, it definitely seems that. um, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, like it's, why is he only doing it for these like weird experiments? Like why doesn't he do that for all like dead supernatural things that die or anything like that? Like what the hell is this? Like why is it specifically these bodies and these, creatures people etc um um maybe it's because he's trying to restore balance or something like that i don't know it's it's really weird to me i i don't know it's it's not this has been going on so long with him like what 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 like it's a real long game to be playing with what he is or what he can do and and stuff and it's I want to say it's annoying it's not annoying it's good storytelling but it's also annoying so yeah I I don't know like is there anything in like mythology should we be researching stuff about things that like ferry the dead or like you know like gatekeepers or like the little river boat you know don't people go on like a boat on the river sticks you know about this stuff like come on yeah (laughs) yeah they do and i tried looking into that but there's nothing specifically i don't think with like fire and whenever you look at greek mythology and fire it's always about um the first guy who brought fire so i don't know that it's anything tied with that it would be cool if it was because i love greek mythology but 
Um, Team Wolf always puts their own spin on things too. So just because we might find a connection doesn't necessarily mean it'll tell us everything we need to know about what Parrish is. So I think I'm just going to kind of hang out and wait until they actually tell us. Yeah, I didn't get to to ask you how excited you were about them talking about Greek mythology with the Chimera last week. And how excited you would have been about that girl, like, and then finding out that, oh, she was actually reading it off Wikipedia and that she wasn't your soul mate nerd Greek mythology person in Scott's <laughs> class. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to Malia. Um, she read The Dread Doctors, the book that she found in Tracy's bedroom, and she talks to Lydia about it, and she says that she didn't really understand all of it, but she specifically says it has no ending, it's just volume t- one, and there is no volume two. And so Lydia's like, okay, are these predictions? You know, has this happened before? Clearly there are a lot of connections because it tells you about kids who were buried alive and then when they came back out of their graves they were transformed so it very much sounds like either someone knows exactly what's going on as it's happening or someone's experienced it before uh which is super creepy way to like like find out like i don't know the book thing it it reminds me of like I always get really creeped out. It sounds like a Goosebumps book, like where you're like reading a book, like, you know, the kids are reading a book and it's like what's happening to them at that very moment and then the next page, you know, oh, there's someone behind you and, you know, I don't know. It That kind of like trope always freaks me out a little bit. So well done for that, I suppose. Same. Yeah. <laughs> it's effective. And I like books, so <laughs> book-related plot is good also. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is true. And the book is dedicated to Valak, and Theo points them in that direction. Um, so then they decide to go to Eichenhaus to visit him, and everyone's going except for Malia. And Styles is very, very insistent on being there, despite everything that happened to him in Eichenhaus. Yeah, and I mean, that's where we were talking about the quotes at the beginning of the episode, that scene between him and Lydia arguing about whether Styles should go or shouldn't go. Um, and we had a little bit of, you know, Lydia noticing that he's injured as well. And I don't know, like, what did you kind of get from that scene between him and Lydia? Like, the vibe of of both of them kind of insisting about the other and, you know, and and the way that they look after each other, I suppose. I think it sort of sets up what Scott says later on and just kind of gives us another glimpse into their current relationship, which is really, really nice. And they kind of have this ability to argue with each other and debate over things without getting like really nasty and actually having a fight. I mean, they're both looking out for each other and they're both very observant Mm. to each other. And I think it's nice just to see, you know, where they stand now with each other. Yeah. It just vibes to me as like really protective, really like, uh, like I said, like styles, doesn't even trust Scott to look after her, if you know what I mean. Like, he only, like, she's his person and and he has to be there. Like, he couldn't stand her doing anything risky without him there to make sure that it doesn't happen or, like, that he, you know, that he can't just leave her to to go and, and do stuff, which is an interesting dynamic to have when you're not dating someone, like, when they're both, you know, romantically interested in, in other people, um, and what we're meant to think about that, like if we're meant to think that they're both 
just, you know, not that keen on other people or whether it's sort of this is not a romantic uh, connection. But it is – there was definitely something in that scene that was really – I don't know, really big to me in the way, in, in just the way that they were about each other and the way that they handled their dynamic within the pack, which I guess is, is something that Scott addresses later as well and also raises some other questions. But, but yeah, there was just the way that he feels responsible for her, like that he, you know, has to be her guardian slash partner in, in everything that they do as opposed to, you know, even trusting the people that have have powers, you know, like Scott and Kira and stuff like that. It was, I don't know, quite revealing to me in a way. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so now gets to a part of the episode that pissed me off, actually, because Scott and Kira are at Scott's house looking for her sword belt, getting ready to go because Scott and Kira have had some cuddly sleepovers, which is nice. Apparently no one's parents' minds about that kind of thing, whatever. Um... I was but, thinking about that too. But okay, he um, you know, Kira's all like, "Oh, you don't remember saying you love me, etc." And kind of being all like, "Cut," which I understand. Whatever. Um, Scott's not the best with his words sometimes. But regardless, she vibes that there's something wrong with her and asks him to look at her with his alpha eyes, like to see what's going on with her supernaturalness. And he sees that everything's messed up, that there's this big hulked up fox spirit figure thing, which is very different to the way that the spirit looked the first time Scott ever saw it and stuff. She straight up asked him, hey, Scott, can you check if there's anything wrong with me? He sees that there is and he's like, nah, found your belt. You're fine. Why? Why does he lie to her? (laughs) He, it's not like he just saw it and doesn't tell her. She directly asks for his help in that way because she feels like there's something wrong. Why would you not tell her the truth? I don't know. This was very disappointing to me, too, because we've said in the past how nice it is on Team Wolf that the the characters communicate with each other and that the conflict comes from other places. And... Maybe Scott was just scared and this was his knee-jerk reaction. Who knows? But I was disappointed, too, because I would think that Scott would want to tackle this head-on. I mean, it's his girlfriend and something is and obviously off. she's asking. She's like, hey, I think there's something wrong. Can you help me mm-hmm. check if there's something wrong? And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Why? Sorry, but this really annoyed me, like, a lot. Um... I mean, maybe it's because he wants to look into it before he worries her with it, but I I still think that wasn't the smartest move. No. And, I mean, what do we think that this crazy beefed-up fox spirit is? Do you think it's, like, trying to take, you know, control away from her, given that she's muttering stuff in Japanese? Because he goes to Styles and he's like, hey, Kira sent this stuff. Like, why aren't you telling her? Like, it's so weird to me that he's not. Maybe because he saw, you know, the way that she attacked Lucas and when she fought Tracy and stuff like that, um, that her powers are kind of getting away with her. But if she vibes it as well, why not be like, hey, so we're all going to solve this together. Hey, how about that? It seems like a really, really bad move on on the part of Scott. But I suppose this season is about him making some bad choices and struggling with 
being a leader, um, it just really annoyed me that he would do that. I hope that we get some explanation for why he decided not to tell her. Yeah, because, no. And, you know, when they did the press for Teen Wolf at Comic-Con, you know, Jeff spoke about Kira um, and the fox spirit being separate, which is something I've asked about so many times, which is why I decided to finally ask about it to them, about, you know, whether... Kira is the fox, or whether it is something that lives on her, if you know what I mean, like that she's sort of possessed by a spirit, and it is that she is possessed by a spirit, it's not, you know, intrinsic. Kira is not the kitsune, she sort of has a kitsune. So, that's clearly getting out of control, and apparently that, you know, she's going to be struggling with that, and her mother's going to help her deal with that. We haven't seen her mum yet. Uh, but yeah, I just don't know what Scott thinks he's doing, like thinking that this is helpful in any way. So bad move, Scott. Yeah, we've heard, you know, from Comic-Con that the Kitsune spirit is going to be vying for independence. And the fact that it's like on fire and bigger and much scarier. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, independently pointing to her belt means that it's, it's not her it's not with her anymore it's sort of coming off of her and getting a lot stronger so yeah that is very different um but you know talking about Kira and everything that's where Styles and Scott has have this conversation about Styles saying that killing somebody in self-defense defense isn't necessarily a bad thing and that it's not necessarily a bad thing that Kira would have killed Lucas because Lucas was trying to kill Scott and he's sort of towing the line here like we always knew that he would. We've always felt that he was a bit more cold than Scott was. And Scott says, but we shouldn't kill those that we're trying to protect. And, you know, we've talked about this, but my question is, do you think that Scott is wrong in any way? Do you think that that attitude is eventually going to get him in trouble? I think in this specific circumstance where these people have been taken and used, I think that he has a point. I think that he's too soft in general, like with, you know, people like Deucalion and like, not that I don't love Deucalion, but all of the people that, you know, they haven't killed in the past. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, you know, in, the real human world, we don't just kill people because they're causing trouble because we have laws. Whereas Derek was like, we'll kill Lydia, we'll kill Jackson, etc. Like, he seems to think that the law of the supernatural world is like, if stuff's wreaking havoc, it can be, like, put down like an animal. We'll just kill them. It doesn't matter about the human that they used to be and stuff like that. And we've seen lots of people die on Team Wolf, obviously. Lots of people who have become monsters sort of meet their end because they've become a monster. So I appreciate Scott trying to, you know, protect the innocence of their intent, if you know what I mean, that he, especially with these ones who have been taken and used, despite what their actions are, I guess it depends on whose rules you play by, like whether you're playing by the rules of morality slash humanity or the rules of, like, the animal kingdom, or... If, and if you're going by, like, actions or intentions, because, yes, Lucas was killing a bunch of people. Uh, it's not Lucas's fault he got turned into a scorpion man, but are his intentions more important than his actions, if you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I yeah, mean, I feel neither do I because I want to side with Scott and I want to believe that I would be the type of person in the situation that would say, no, you know, it's our responsibility to try to save everybody. But when it comes down to it, you know, if if you have to kill somebody in order to survive, that's a really difficult decision to make. And I just kind of wonder, you know, obviously Styles was willing to make it, maybe not intentionally. I mean, like we said, it was an accident, but I I can't believe that if Scott was outmatched, he would be willing to die rather than fight back, even somebody who was at their core innocent. I don't know. I feel like he might need to toughen up a bit. Like, I don't know. I feel like he... I don't know. There are so many people out there who are, like, not evil, but that they've, like, you know, killed in the name of, I guess, just their lifestyle. Like, just, you know, that's the tough world that they live in where people die quickly and a lot because there's a lot of violence. And I don't know if Scott needs to just, like, get with the program and catch up with that or if he is sort of bringing about a new age of, like, peace and love because he's werewolf Jesus. Like, it's, it's – I don't know if he's deluded or not. I think he's just naive, maybe, and I think he's very innocent and hopeful, and he truly believes the best in people, which is not a bad thing, um, especially when you're a true alpha. I feel like that kind of comes with the territory. And I've always liked the way that he's tackled issues and the way that he's tried to save everybody, but I just seriously wonder if one of these days it's it's really going to bite him in the butt. I think that it will, but that it probably won't change his mind. Yeah, I could agree with that. <laughs> so the gang rocks up at Icon House, and you have an example of absolutely typical American customer service, which is that when they say to you something that they're taught to say, and then you repeat something that has nothing to do with that um, because you actually want to talk to a human being as a person and get an answer to a question, and they can't think outside of the box and just repeat the same thing that they're told to say to you, which, by the way, doesn't actually happen everywhere. It seems to be just America. Here, people doing customer service are allowed to use their brains and tackle the actual questions that you ask them before just repeating things at you. But, oh, my God, I cannot. Ouch. What? <laughs> just <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, you, don't tell me you've never I mean, had this probably problem. probably in most cases. Don't tell me you've never had most this problem. Most cases, I will agree. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty terrible customer service here. Not all customer service, It's just, but some are bad. It's the training that they have that they're, like, not – that they that they either don't know or aren't allowed to use – to, like, talk to you and, and answer your questions. They just repeat the same literal exact phrasing that they've been taught to say. Like, um, it's scary and weird and I don't like it. Anyway, this guy does that, but it's quite funny um, because he's making them put their stuff in the box that they can't take in, and he wants to take Kira's belt as well, and she's like, I need it, and he's like, um, you know, please remove your belt, which inmates will try to take from you and strangle either themselves or others, and I'm like, mm, good point. Um, he was fun, but we are, you know, 
still going into fun is not a word I would use to I describe him. him. I thought he was funny. Um, I don't know. Clearly, Are you kidding? He was terrifying. The way that he was looking at Lydia just like made my skin I'm crawl. Sorry, but compared to past Iken House employees, he's like mild, Karen. Like, like seriously, he's not that bad. Mm. Um. Anyway. So they go into Iken House with Dr. Tyler Posey's dad um, and go down to the creepy supernatural part of Iken House to see Dr. Valak. And we, the first thing we see is that Styles still has the uh, the pulpin from the scaffolding like that he puts into the box that so was still in his pocket, which is sort of a reminder of, oh, shit, that still happened. Remember when that happened? Yeah, that happened. And then they get down. And Dr. Tyler Posey's dad is like, oh, you can't all come in uh, because the whole thing is so padded with mountain ash that um, not only can Scott and Kira not cross it, it actually makes them woozy in a way that I've never seen mountain ash make the supernatural Uh creatures on the show before, if you know what I mean. It actually is that strong. And so that was interesting and, and sort of not expected. I don't know if that's like an inconsistency or if it's like just that bad. Down yeah. There. Yeah. No, I think it's just that bad. But my question is if this is an inconsistency or maybe we've learned it before and I just forgot, but Lydia being able to cross mountain ash, I mean, technically she's a banshee. She's a supernatural creature, but is it something different? Yeah, I know because she, she just, is it like, I don't know, because I thought that as well. I'm like, she's supernatural in some way. Like, she's not enhanced. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know why she doesn't count in that department. Like, I'd, I'd be quite curious to ask, actually, why she doesn't count in that department. But, yeah. Maybe it's just shapeshifters, and because she's something other. I don't know. It was confusing to me, and I'm actually... Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it just because it's, like, something just mental? It's like she doesn't have any physical powers? Like, I don't know. And then they're going down the aisle to see Valak, and he and Styles looks into a cell, and he sees Donovan, and we're just like, first of all, I'm just like, oh, my God, he's alive, and he's in Iken House. He's just, this is all a trick. Uh, but, no, he. Um, it turns out that he saw the, the Sluach, um, which I might have, might have pronounced incorrectly, Sluag, Sluach, something, um, which is the supernatural creature designed by the competition winner, um, whose Twitter handle is Jess J Short. I'm not sure if their name is is Jess or or what their name is, but Twitter Jess J Short, um, the Sluach as Donovan, and then we kind of get a glimpse of it in its actual form as well. Um, which Valak kind of instantly quizzes him about. He's like, hey, so what'd you see next door? Except he says it much more, like, creepily than that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> apparently they're a shapeshifter that, like, signifies um, lost souls. So that makes Styles feel really good about himself, I'm sure, that, you know, Donovan is a lost soul that he killed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. My question here was, are we going to see this thing anymore, or was this literally it because I was really interested in getting either an episode centered around it or at least like a significant chunk of time with it, like attacking somebody and them having to stop it. I didn't think that it was just going to be like, here's this creepy monster in a cell. Okay, we're done. I think there might be because the end of the episode, 
you know, ends with basically Valak busting out, and we know from the flashback, or the flash forward, I suppose, with Lydia, that, you know, that it ends up that Valak and his people take control of the place, so maybe it'll be around... Yeah. You know, everything escapes from That'll that be cool. Like that. Um, the slow Yeah, I def- just want to see more of it, because I, I think it's so creepy. It's definitely a real creature, or a version of a real creature, which were the spirits of the restless dead, as I think we've talked about before. Sometimes they were seen as sinners or generally evil people who were welcome in neither heaven nor hell. So they're like, they were like, they took on the spirits of bad dead people, I guess. Um, hence the lost souls. Um, but its normal form seems to be a big, tall, slimy guy. So I think that it might be around again. We'll see. I hope so. I just think it's so creepy that I want to see more of it. Mm. Next scene, you know, now that we've met up with Valak and everything, uh, we learn that Valak is the one that wrote the book. And he explains that the doctors are not entirely human anymore and that they were once scientists who worshipped the supernatural. And he gives them some of this information, but he won't tell them more about it until Lydia records her scream for him. And this immediately to me was like, oh, my God, don't do that. That seems very dangerous. I didn't know what he was going to use it for. But also made me think, like, you know, does that work? Obviously, it does by the end of the episode. But I was just curious as to, like, how that could work recording a banshee scream and and it still having the same amount of power. Well, it seemed to have more because her screaming didn't break the glass when she did it right in front of him. That's true. Hmm. Either way, I'm glad the recorder broke after he used it. <laughs> You're like, we don't want that lying around in the world. So no. he wrote the book because this has happened to him before, basically, which sucks, I suppose. He seems to know a lot about everything that's going on, and he seems to be not on their side. Like, you know, he's not on the side of the Dread Doctors. Do do we think that he is evil? It, like, he is against the villains, but is he also evil, or, or what? Yes. Clearly, yes. I do not trust him. I've said that from the beginning. I feel like he's very dangerous because he's powerful in the way that, well, when he had his third eye, he can manipulate somebody like Deaton, and yet he's very intelligent, and that's always a combination that you need to watch out for, and I feel like he's he has all of this information. We know that he's, you know, come up against the the stuff from season four and he's come up against the dread doctors. He's obviously been around for a while and he's well experienced. And I just feel like that is a very bad cocktail in somebody who is as manipulative as he is. And so I know that you love him, but I do not trust him. Yeah. I love him. Don't say anything bad. The end. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Let's see how that works out come yeah, the end of the see season. How that works out for you. Um Yeah, I'm sure that's going to go real well. Um but yeah, I love him and I think that he's great and I would totally end up dead because I would be like, "I love you. I trust you. You're great. I think you're really cool and nice and great." 
Uh, so, yeah, I would be totally taken in. But at the moment, I don't know. Like, he's not super helpful. He still wants something in exchange. Um, he's not super like, oh, we're all on the same side. I can help you. Listen to me. Trust me. But he's more helpful in, in one night than Deaton's been in five seasons. <laughs> I mean, that's true. It is true. And there's no denying it. I'm also curious about where the help Peter is because, you know, when Lydia walks up and he's like, we're all just works in progress. And he's like, she's like, where did you hear that? Because that's a Peter thing. And he's like, why is former cellmate? But he's a former cellmate. Where is he now? Not there. Peter's no longer in Iken House. Where is he? Yeah. A rehabilitation center, maybe? <laughs> we'll see. Um, I don't know about that. So the Valak demon, have we talked about that? Like, Jeff told us that if you look up the demon Valak, that will give a bit of a clue to him. Have we, have we spoken about that at all on the show? No, and I completely forgot to look it up, so I hope that you did. I've it several times. And basically, there's actually not that much on it. But allegedly, it is the like it's the king of all of the other supernatural things, like which sounds ominous. Um, I'll I'll just load it again. Hang on. Told ya. What? That doesn't mean he's bad. He's evil. That doesn't mean he's yes, bad. Yes, it does. Okay. He's in, a demon. He's in bad. In demonology, Valak is the mighty great president of hell, having thirty legions of demons under his command. Valak is said to give true answers about hidden treasures. He reveals where serpents can be seen and delivers them harmless to the magician. He is said to appear as a small boy with angel wings riding on a two-headed dragon. Well, that's not accurate for this show, but he gives true answers, Karen. True that doesn't answers. make him not evil. True answers, unlike Deaton. I mean, the true answers thing is great. So, so <laughs> you know, so, yeah, do, do you think he's going to be able to take everything under his control, basically? I mean, that definitely gives into what Jeff was saying about, like, the Arkham vibe that they're getting out of Eichenhaus this season. Yeah. And so I definitely feel like he's going to be the president of Eichenhaus and that all of the other supernatural creatures are going to sort of be running around for him, which could prove very, very dangerous. He has a reputation for appearing as a child who uses his seeming innocence to lure willing victims to terrible ends. See, I would totally die. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what aspects of this that they're going to gonna use. But, yeah, he seems to be like a solitary presidential demon. We'll see. I didn't know hell had presidents. Oh, there are, like, all sorts of, like, weird rankings in hell. Like, uh, it depends what legendary, you know, like, you know what mythology that you look at. All sorts of weird stuff. Anyway, let's let's carry on. Uh, I, I don't know. I like him. I like his vibe. I think that he comes across as really honest because he tells the truth, which is good. Um, and that I would totally end up on his side, basically, which is really pathetic. But I love him, so I don't care. <laughs> Well, let me just say that I do really like him as well. I think he's, I think the guy is a fantastic actor and I like that he knows so much, but I do not trust him and I totally think he's evil. Okay, fine. Whatever. Moving on. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about something else, which is that Scott just caused some drama by telling everyone, allegedly, 
that Styles still likes Lydia, but it's different now. So there's a really cute conversation, I guess, between Kira and Scott, like a really, you know, several minutes of just chat about Kira asking about, you know, what the people, you know, in her group were like before she got there. And, you know, Scott talking about what things used to be like and what the dynamic used to be like. And it's actually really nice, like, because that's so totally something you would do if, you know, you were dating someone who, like, had a group of people who were established, like, before you. And I don't know, it was, it was a nice scene, except for somewhat out of nowhere, them, you know, Kira being like, oh, he still likes her, and Scott's like, yeah. What do we think they meant by that? Like, do you think she meant romantically? Like, I, I mean, I assume that she meant romantically, and Apparently this is just something that everyone still knows, that Styles still likes Lydia, even though he's dating someone else and is, is relatively dedicated to her. Like, they just openly going to talk about that? Like, how did you feel about that? I actually really loved this scene, and I thought it fit in really well with what's going on with Kira and Scott at the moment, because mm-hmm. Kira's like, oh, you know, Scott just says things, and he doesn't realize he's saying it, and he doesn't remember, and then Scott makes a comparison with, like, Styles always remembering and observing mm-hmm. what Lydia had done, and, and getting to know the real her when pretty much nobody else did know the real her. Yeah. And I thought it was a nice, quiet moment and I think as somebody who really does like Styles and Lydia it was nice to get a little shout out to them and it's always nice when we get throwbacks to previous seasons and the relationships people had and other creatures and all that kind of stuff because I like the idea that you know this is a group of people who have been through a lot and even though they've been through a lot they're not forgetting those things they're not forgetting that they've been against the Kanama before they're not forgetting that Allison used to be a part of their group they're not forgetting the way that Styles used to act around Lydia so I think it's really important to continue to tie in those things and considering that this season is going to be about Scott losing his pack and maybe not being the best leader and people's relationships being tested it's important to call back to those other relationships. And plus, we know that what Styles did in this episode is going to wreak havoc with his relationships across the board, particularly Malia. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be interesting to bring up the fact that, hey, Lydia is still here. And, you know, what is their relationship going to be like if he and Malia get a little rocky and maybe Lydia understands what Styles did better than somebody else? Who knows how that's going to play out exactly. But um, I think they're just planting the seeds at this point. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's it's quite curious to me just that they would even say that, like that Scott would you know, even like sort of – talk about that elephant in the room I guess but I did like it and it was quite natural in terms of Styles and Malia I can kind of see that going two ways if she has a like you know if the death thing is something that kind of drives them apart in some way I can see it either her completely not caring and being like Styles it's stupid that you cared like it's an accident it's dumb it's stupid that you cared or that because of the desert wolf and the way that she sort of reacted to like seeing the stuff that her mother did that she's kind of like no can't be around anyone that kills people etc like that she reacts really badly to it in like a negative way as opposed to like a not caring way i can kind of see it going going either way but i don't know i do like i think i 
Go I ahead. don't think that Malia's going to have a problem with the killing part because she's always saying, let's just kill them and get this over with. I think it's the secrets. I think that that's playing a big part in this episode particularly and moving forward. And I think she's going to be really upset that Styles didn't confide in her about it. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that as well. But I don't know, the Styles and Lydia thing... Like, if if that's where the show wants to go, like, that the, they want to get that relationship back to a place where they should be together as a couple after everything they've been through, like, you know, in the long run, um, you know, I'm okay with that, but I'm still a bit confused. About, and I also totally get that, like, a girlfriend and boyfriend would, like, talk behind the scenes about their friends, like, gossip, etc. Like, I totally bought that as well. But, like, given the kind of state of the show and, like, the drama with, you know, ships happening that people didn't want to happen or, you know, not happening and stuff like that. Um, And given that, like, the Styles and Lydia ship is kind of the most intense in the fandom now, like, I don't know whether that's, like, a good or a bad thing for them to throw that bone, if you know what I mean, because, you know, it might cause, like, some really bad conversation about Styles and Malia or or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm really confused why they'd outright say something so blatant about, like, Styles is dating someone else, but yes, he still likes Lydia, like, you know, uh, you know, and Scott does say, like, it's different now, like, what is that, you know, and he sort of, they talk a lot about what that means, but I don't know if Scott kind of knew what he was saying, like, if he actually meant, like, romantically, or just like, oh, yeah, Styles still cares about her, because obviously he does, like, I, I don't know, it was... I think that it's romantic, and I think that, yeah, you always have to be careful. Well, look, no, you don't always have to be careful about the bones that you throw out, because let's be real, this is, you know, the writer's show, and they're going to do whatever they want to do, and their job isn't to pander to the audience. Um, And I've always felt that way about anything written creatively. Um, They're going to tell the story that they want to tell. And I think that this is sort of laying down the road for maybe what's going to happen in the future and planting these seeds. I think Scott meant what he said, and I think he meant it romantically. And I think it's completely fine that Styles is with Malia and yet still cares deeply about Lydia because look at Scott. He broke up with Allison, still loved her, and yet he was still interested in Kira. The same thing happened. And it's that's just sort of how life works. Like, I think it's completely fair to have feelings, you know, whether you've been with somebody or not, you're always going to love like your first love. And that's what a huge part of the show is about anyway. So I don't see a problem with it, although I do understand why people would take issues with it, especially if they very much believe in either Styles and Malia or Styles and Lydia. Yeah. Oh, I just, I feel like it's going to be dramatic, but anyway, never mind. Um, Shipping is dramatic, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Regardless of the shipping, um, everything starts to go crazy with Kira electricity-wise and the building electricity-wise and stuff like that. So... I didn't really process very well anything about what was actually wrong with Kira. Like, obviously something is wrong, but, like, I don't know if we were meant to understand it or not, but stuff started happening and I didn't really understand it. So she sort of starts losing control of her powers 
and and the building starts getting affected by the electricity as well. Um, and I don't really understand why. Um, in the meantime, Valak is talking to to Lydia and Styles, being like, "Oh my God, you brought a Kitsune here, you stupid assholes!" Sorry, that was extreme, but that's basically <laughs> that's basically what happened. Um, yeah. In the, yeah. In that, basically, that they have somehow uh, managed to let the Dread Doctors in. That the, the Dread Doctors um, tricked them into going there. That they work with electromagnet, you know, magnetism to again prolong their lives, give them power, make people forget they saw them. That's where the Tesla quote comes in. Where the, basically they can use like you know brain waves and electromagnetic waves to manipulate uh, most people's idea of reality, and and you know that we believe that you know this is all possible, you know, if you know what to do with it. In the that nothing's just like poof magic. That it's all like crazy science that you have to know how to tap into, and that Kira's. Powers going haywire are bringing down Eichenhaus's defences, so the doctors come right in to, to do the, the things they're going to do. And uh, Valak isn't too impressed with them because he's like, you stupid kids brought the Nematon back to life and now they're here. So, you know, Styles and, and Lydia are both like, oh, this is our fault, etc. You know, he also teaches them that the book that he wrote, you know, is going to help them remember it. So anyone who's encountered them needs to read the book because it helps them to remember. Sorry, like, remember that the stuff that, that they've seen with the Dread Doctors might be real, like that they're not just forgetting them, which reminds me a lot of, like, the silence in Doctor Who. I don't know if you watched that season of Doctor Who, Karen, but, you know, when they... Yes. Yeah, they couldn't yep. see the silence. Exactly. Like, yeah, it Same reminded thing. me so much of that. So, um, shout out to that, basically. Uh, but, yeah, Valak has sort of created this method for, for trying to get people to remember, which is... I mean, he's trying to help people, Karen. He wrote the book. He published it. It probably cost him a lot of money to get it published. To his own gain. Why? How is it to his own gain? I'm not talking about just them. He wants everyone who possibly has problems to read the book and, like, to stop this happening again. I mean, The book existed yes, before Lydia and, and Styles came to see him. I still think he's a crazy person and he's evil, but I get where you're coming from. I think that as a doctor and as a person of science and research he's probably super interested in all of this and wants to learn more about it maybe he has more ties to them than we initially thought so maybe there is something else going on here but he's not a good guy nat he's not i'm sorry he is a good guy and when they took out his eye i said oh baby out loud <laughs> I actually felt really bad when they took out his eye. Like I was sad for Valak. So I get where you're coming put it from. In someone else, like they're collecting parts. Like they collected the eagle claws and shit for for the other. That's yeah. People. It seems. Or was it? Like it seems like we're going down that road. So yeah. No, I feel like they they took that for a reason. Mm. I was sad about his eye. Dr. Valak is my good friend, and I won't hear anything more against him. Um, sorry. Um, okay. You're like, you're getting weird now. Um, but yeah, look, he created the book to try and help future generations from having this problem with the Dread Doctors. So clearly he has some goodness in his heart, or at least he doesn't like the Dread Doctors, which, you know. But yeah, basically, if they hadn't taken Kira with them, everything would have been okay. But Kira was there, so her crazy electromagnetic stuff started going off, and it was basically like, it was zapping her, it was zapping Scott, Scott managed to carry her out, even though she was being zapped, that was kind of 
really sad, but we'll get to that in a moment. But, you know, he, he at first can't touch her. She's all sparky and crazy. Do you have... Do you have any grasp of what actually happened to her? Because I don't. Like, why it's all of a sudden getting way out of control? Yeah. Like, are they causing that, the Dread Doctors? When, like, were they, like, doing that to her? I wonder if they are. I I mean, she hasn't had the best grasp on her powers from the beginning. There's been moments where she's accidentally zapped people and when she's blown light bulbs and we saw that even in the beginning of this season. So, you know, that's not out of the ordinary. I think the extent to which it's happening now is very alarming, but if the dread doctors work with electromagnetism and all that kind of stuff. I think it makes sense that her powers are kind of going crazy. Maybe they're manipulating them in some way. Yeah, possibly. Because it really seems convenient, if you know what I mean, that they can just set her off at will to let, you know, to get into the building, basically. Mm -hmm. She's not a light switch. But (laughs) I don't know. It's weird. But, yeah, basically they do end up helping – Valak, or at least giving him the scream, and, and they're, you know, Styles and Lydia have that conversation about, like, it's our fault that everything's going wrong, and they say it's, you know, our responsibility, which, um, you know, even Theo earlier in the episode kind of says to Scott when Scott gives him the book to read, which is like, oh, is Theo in the team now? Like, he gets to read the book too. Um, obviously, he goes and passes that on to the, the Dread Doctors because he's a dick. Um, but, um, you know, he's like, oh, you guys really get involved a lot, right? And Scott kind of has to think about it for a second. He's like, yeah, I guess we do. Like, what else would we do? You know? know? (laughs) That was a little funny, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So they do get involved a lot, but I guess they feel like even more that they have the responsibility to now because it was their stupid sacrifice that made everything worse. So cool times, nice teenage pressures, normal, the usual, like... Yeah, do you want to go on to that entire Theo and Malia arc, which was really annoying, basically? Yes. Yeah. Was it? Because, I mean, I, bad, I, annoying, I don't like, like Theo. Like, uh, he is a- yeah. Yeah, go on. Sorry. I think it's frustrating, and I always, I always find this to be true when um, we know – somebody's a bad guy and everybody else doesn't it's very frustrating because you're like come on guys just figure out that they're evil already and um it it sort of takes away some of that anticipation some of that will they won't they kind of feeling which i like a little bit better um but theo is very nice to malia and decides to give her a driving lesson and he's like oh put your hand down here and he sort of moves it for her and there's like they have this moment um which if theo wasn't such a dick then would have actually been kind of cute but what ends up happening is that she malia starts remembering the accident and she remembers that Basically, her mom is the one that shot up the car and caused the accident. Now, this was pretty surprising to me. Um, I never would have thought that this was the reason why the car crashed. But the big question here is why? Why would the Desert Wolf shoot up a car full of, we assume, innocent people and especially a car carrying her own kid do you think she knew malia was inside yeah i mean my assumption that was she was trying to get malia back like that she was like screw you adoptive mom if you know what i mean but 
I don't know, maybe she didn't. Maybe she hates Malia. Maybe she has no maternal connection at all. Like, Or maybe it's completely coincidental. Also, we've heard a few times that Malia and the Malia... Malia and Theo might have a connect, you know, a connection of some sort <laughs> that's bringing them together that leads them to work together, and it is vibing as kind of flirty and romantic at the moment. But I'm like, what if they're brother and sister? Like, what if she- he is also a desert wolf person? If you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I've been thinking that for a few weeks. Yeah. Is that something you thought about at all? Yes, I think I actually brought this up on the episode last week with oh, Danya really? because I, I, I was like, we know. Anyone- I haven't spoken to anyone about it at all yet either. That's just something I came up with in my head. So, okay, interesting. Yeah, because we know that Malia and Theo have some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, there. I was wondering, okay, could they be related? Could he be a hail? How does this work? That sort of thing. And after this week and some other stuff that came out uh, news-wise, interview-wise, I think something's connected with Theo's sister. And I think, like Jeff specifically said, you know, you're going to hate Theo even more after you find out what happened to his sister. Um, So I just wonder if maybe this is the missing link there for some reason we'll have to wait and see but yeah i was wondering if they were related too okay well as long as it's not just me that's fine um and i also found it interesting how malia kept like she when she realized that like if when she started pushing the car like when she started feeling out of control driving that it was triggering the the memories and then and then doing that which was interesting so yeah so was there anything else, I don't know, with the Desert Wolf slash Theo slash Malia situation, theories, etc. at this point? I, I don't think so. We didn't learn a whole lot. I mean, okay, we learned something big, but, like, Malia's part in this episode was very, very small. Yeah. So hopefully next episode we're going to be learning a lot more about maybe, like, the ramifications of that and if they can start putting two and two together in terms of, like, why the desert wolf decided to shoot up a car with her own daughter in it. Yeah, she sounds like a fun lady. I really hope it doesn't end up turning out to be Kate. I'm I'm pretty sure we've like we've nailed that, right? Like it's not Kate. We know it's not Kate, right, at this point. Um I'm gonna say yes, although I guess there could always be the possibility of maybe warping it some way to make it that way. I will say that when I saw the person shooting at the car, my it's, first thought was Kate. Me too. Uh, um, me too. Just because of gun and all of that, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Kate. Okay. Well, I don't think so either, but yeah, I mean, she always pops up, doesn't she? Um. So anyway, uh, yeah, Scott, as I sort of started mentioning, Scott carries Kira out despite being, like, totally electrocuted by her, and then they both collapse on the ground and are like, we're dying, we're electrocuted, this sucks. I mean, they're not dying, they're going to live. Um, and he, she's like, remember you said you loved me? And he was like, yeah, I did, I meant it, which was cute and nice. Like, they're, they're nice, they're a little bit insecure in their relationship. Like, they don't seem to be, or at least Kira still seems quite nervous about her position in the relationship, obviously. Like, um, she's a bit anxious and, and that they don't seem to be as on the same page. We're all in this together. I mean, they're, they're in it together, but Alison and Scott had a thing where they kind of both knew where they were at. They knew that they were in this relationship and they were very open with how they felt about each other and what they wanted. Whereas Kira and Scott still are a little, a little awkward about, about being open with each other, which I don't know if that's like a, a good or a bad thing, you know, or, or you know, a, a, like a lesser thing. But, you know, I, I saw someone on, 
on Twitter say like will Skira become something more like Scott and Kira become something more and I'm I'm like do you mean like more than they already are like they they are together but like how do you feel about sort of the position of their relationship I think that I really like them together. Let me start off with that. I think they have a solid relationship. I think they do have some insecurities, which is totally normal to any relationship. I think the way in which Allison and Scott started, which was so intense right from the beginning, and they they kind of immediately fell in love, just kind of lent itself to more of a secure relationship and more of a confidence in their love for each other. Whereas I think that Kira had a crush on Scott longer than Scott really knew she existed. Yeah. Um, and maybe not super long, but I think that Kira's feelings were more intense towards Scott than Scott's were toward Kira in the beginning. And I think she's just worried that, you know, maybe she's loved him for a while and he said it and she's like, but did he really mean it? Like, you know, what if he doesn't care about me as much as I care about him, which is an insecurity in a lot of relationships. So I think it's totally normal um, in terms of them being more. I think that there's still like steps they can go further because they've just admitted that they love each other. At least Scott has said that. I don't think Kira's actually said it, but um, there's more of a intimate relationship and I'm not talking about like sex or anything, but more of a emotionally intimate relationship that they could have that I would like to see going forward. Although again, more information coming out about this being one of the last happy moments for them for a while. Wow. So that's not exactly comforting. No. So I have a question for you about Scott and Kira and Styles and Malia at this point, I suppose. If this is like the last happy moment for Scott and Kira, like, do you think that she's going to like really lose control and become like someone that they have to fight? Like, do you, or do you think that, that her and Scott will end up breaking up or, or Styles and Malia will end up breaking up? Like which couple do you think is more likely to succeed at this, at the moment? I think Scott and Kira are more likely to succeed. I think what's going to happen with Kira is, and this is just from what I've seen in the trailers showing us like future footage, is that we know that her mother is going to start training her to help her control the kitsune. Mm. Um, somebody said that somewhere. And we also see Kira getting into a car and leaving as, like, one of the lights sparks over Scott's head. I think she's going to feel like she needs to leave town or something in order to get a handle on her powers. The interview that came out with Jeff today, the day that we're recording, which is Tuesday the 21st, is also um, – or I think it came out yesterday, actually. It also – tells us that Kira's starting to feel very worried that she's hurting her friends more than helping them because she can't control her powers. So I definitely feel as though she's going to end up leaving in order to protect people, which again is just another instance of the pack breaking up and Scott sort of losing control over the people that he's supposed to be leading. Mm. Yeah, I can... Yeah, I can see that, I think. So I'm – I don't know, man. It's very – it's very stressful. 
but yeah, I mean that's sort of what we've given got the impression of so far. But you still think that her leaving is like more hopeful than what Styles and Malia have coming? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just because I feel like Styles and Lydia might be endgame or what, but I just I I feel like Scott and Kira are sort of a more permanent fixture. Whereas Malia, although, I mean, to be honest, I love Styles Malia. I love Malia as a character on her own as well. Um, and I don't particularly want anything to happen to either one of them or their relationship. But I just feel like because she can be very animalistic and although she is extremely loyal i feel like once she gets an idea in her head like maybe you know i can't trust styles anymore because he doesn't tell me everything that's really going to eat away at her until she does something about it and so she could end up having this really like knee-jerk reaction and and something could happen between the two of them Hmm. yeah i don't know i don't know man all right. Yeah, it's stressful. Everything's stressful. <laughs> yeah, so we did talk about the doctors taking Valak's third eye, and that was very sad for us for some reason. Well, because you like Valak. I don't know why it was sad for me, but I just felt bad. I mean, he drilled a hole in his own head, and then they just sucked his eye out of him. I feel like that's just not fair. Yeah, it was, it was very forceful and torturous, and it's an example of... I guess what's been happening to the people that they've taken parts from to make their weird creatures. Uh, I mean, he's encountered them before, and, you know, I I don't know whether he got that eye through natural means or whether he's always had it or, you know, if it's something they did to him before, if he maybe they did something to him and he got away from it. Maybe he was one of the teenagers back in the day, if you know what I mean. Um, And Yeah, definitely a possibility and that they've sort of taken that off him because now he's like against them so i don't know um but i hated it and i'm team valak five ever basically (laughs) wow is this your new peter i like him more than peter maybe i do like peter but peter wow okay peter gets tiring because like it's like are you Legit or not. Like, come on, like, give me something to go on, like, here. with And I don't know Valak well enough, so at the moment I like him better than Peter. If you know what I mean. I don't know enough to, to yeah. be annoyed at him yet, so... <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> the other part of this scene was that Styles thinks that all of this is their fault, um, which isn't exactly wrong because of what they did with the Nimiton, but Lydia says it's their responsibility. And I just wanted to bring this up because I think that's like Styles is very negative, especially lately. He, you know, he feels like it's all their fault and everything. And Lydia is sort of coming, not that she disagrees with him because obviously they did do something to make it all happened but she's saying yes we you know we caused this or you guys caused this because she wasn't one of the ones in the tub but because we caused it we need to fight these creatures and we need to protect beacon hills and the people that live here and i just think that sort of like um same like different side of the same coin kind of idea is really interesting. And I'm wondering if Lydia is going to be able to get through to Styles' negativity and, 
and maybe help him realize that, you know, yeah, things suck, but we can make it better. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like, if, you know, how much of a difference there is between fault and responsibility. I mean, I think it's both, if you know what I mean. Like, it's it's both, because it definitely is their fault, but it depends how you view it, I guess. It's like Lydia maybe viewed it as something that was necessary for the time, but now the aftermath is their responsibility to look after, whereas Styles has more, like, blame and, and hatred about it, I guess. But... Yeah, I mean, it is a lot for them to do, but it's definitely, like, coming back to them that, like, did they, you know, that the, the, the stuff with the Nematon, you know, really, ha- like, that it's not just incidental, we're supernatural and this is a town with supernatural stuff, it, that it is actually kind of their fault, basically. So that is sort of coming home to them now, I suppose. And then the last moment, I guess, we see of the episode is Valak playing Lydia's scream, like, in a cup to, like, amplify it, like, pressing it against the glass. And that apparently breaks the glass. Like, I don't know, as, as I said, I don't know why it didn't break when she actually did it in purpose, but it must be, um, it must be something to do with, like, putting the vibrations, like, directly through the glass, like, via the cup or something like that. Anyway, so, so even without his third eye, he's now busted out of Eichenhaus, sort of, which might be the start of what we've heard about them taking over the asylum. So that should be interesting. And I guess we'll see now, like, what he's going to do, what his actual motive and intention is, uh, you know, now that he's out, basically, because uh, now that he, you know, has free reign in a way, um, you know, what he actually wants to achieve and stuff like that and whether it's evil or not. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the end of the episode. And then next week, what's going to happen next week? Um, What is going to happen next week? I don't remember, to tell you the truth. I don't remember uh, because I had a piece out of Wolfwatch to finish my recap, and so I didn't see, like, any of the sneak peeks yet. So I have no idea. Okay. Well, it's called um, Required Reading, and this week was called A Novel Approach. I really like these book titles, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but we've got some feedback, tweets and stuff. Do you want to sort of start off here with some of these these tweets before we go? Yeah, the first one is from at Gwendolyn2984, and she asks, are Lydia's banshee powers not working for, quote, made creatures? Only time she felt it this season was Tracy's human dad. It's a really good question, not something that I actually thought about prior to this, but because they're, I mean, well, she's felt... She's felt deaths before of both human and non-human creatures but maybe because these guys are such a mix of them it could be the reason i don't know does it ever work for just supernatural creatures or is it only humans that it works like does it work with normal supernatural creatures for lydia i think oh that's a good question i'm trying to think of who's died that maybe she would have yeah I'm thinking, like, Aiden, but at the same time, I think she was pretty much there when he took, like, his final breath, so I don't know if she felt that in the same way. Um, I don't know either. So, 
Yeah, she doesn't seem to have been yeah tuned in for any of the deaths of these creatures, which I don't know either. I, I yeah, maybe they're not really dead. Maybe Parrish is bringing them back to life, or like I have no Could idea. Be. Maybe they're not really, really dead. So I don't know. Anyway, um. The next one was from Victoria, Saint's Ghost. What's your opinion on how the doctors are choosing people to experiment on? I've given this absolutely zero thought. Have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I I don't know if they're picking people for a specific reason. I mean, I think it's interesting that Tracy was connected to Lydia. Like, apparently they were kind of friends or at least knew each other. Donovan had this vendetta against Stalinsky, which kind of trickled down to Styles. Lucas, Lucas didn't really have a connection. He had a connection, I guess, to Brett, kind of, who had a connection to the pack. I'm trying to see if there was, like... You know, they're going after Scott and his pack, like but it doesn't really in, seem... Yeah, like if they're people in positions who can do something, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but it doesn't either. really seem to be that way. No. I don't know either, actually. Hmm. Anyone else got any theories on that? Because I haven't actually thought about it. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Jody, who is at British Styles, and... She says, where was Peter Hale? Was he the doctor's cellmate? Has he escaped? Um, we did talk about this a little bit. My theory is that he's in rehab or something like that. Um, because clearly he's not with Dr. Valak anymore. Maybe he's just in a different room in Eichenhaus. I mean, throwing him in with Dr. Valak didn't seem like a very good idea to me. Maybe he served his punishment and now he's in like solitary confinement or something. He seems to know a lot about Lydia, so I wonder how much Peter, like, gushed about Lydia. Like, mm. I feel like Peter loves all those kids. I know he's terrible, but he's like Hannibal. Hannibal loves all his friends, like, in the FBI and Will and, and Jack Crawford and Alana. He literally adores these people, but he still wants to kill them and eat them. Like, it's really weird. So I, <laughs> like, I, I'm serious. Like, it's it's weird. Like, he his affection... The way he shows his affection is very strange. So he doesn't hate all of those people. He's not pretending to be their friend. He truly feels a lot of emotion for them and compassion. It's just he's also a completely deranged serial killer and he wants to eat them or other people or whatever. Like, it's really weird. He did eat his own sister, which is a whole thing, but... I feel like Peter adores those kids. He doesn't like – he's not sitting there going, oh, I hate those kids. He he thinks they're all bloody brilliant, even though he's, like, terrible, if you know what I mean, and potentially evil. He must be like, oh, have I told you about Styles? He's so smart and blah, blah, if you know what I mean. Like, I feel like he thinks they're all great. So I wonder how much Dr. Valak has heard about them. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, so the last one – I think this is the last one – uh, was Marion Grenier, which is at Goot is Lightning. What do you think Parrish is? Do you think Valak will be an enemy or an, or an ally this season? I think ally. Karen thinks I'm wrong. Yeah. But Parrish, we don't know. Oh, my God, we don't know. Some sort of ferrier of the dead, like a ferryman. I don't know, like a... 
I don't know. I don't know. Something. Something weird. I don't know. We don't know. Karen, we don't know, do we? Not a clue. Someone sent us some good meta about that because I would like to know. And I think that Valak is an ally, regardless of whether he's evil or not, uh, though he obviously is going to end up doing some bad things to Lydia, potentially, though we don't know what exactly. So, I don't know, maybe I'm deluding myself. I probably am, but never mind. We'll uh, just leave that there. I love him, and I'd like to speak to others who also love him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's us done now for this week, and we'll speak to you next week after episode six. Until then, I suppose uh, we'll say bye and see you later. So bye-bye, Karen. Bye. Bye. Why can't everything just be easy like it used to be a long time ago? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay. Things are better now. Can you imagine doing this on, like, AOL dial-up? Um, no, I don't think podcasts existed then. <laughs> I presume podcasts had to only came after iPods had because given pod, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. Was there anything... We should do a history of podcasts episode. And I feel it running through my veins. And I need that fire just to know that I'm awake.